Amen. Please be seated. Well, let me wish you a happy early new year, friends. Before we think together about the scriptures or unpack them in light of the new year, I wonder if any of you are planning to set any New Year's resolutions tonight. And if so, are you doing it because it has gone so well for you in the past? Are you doing it despite the fact that we know statistically they are so often doomed to failure? Maybe we do it from peer pressure and groupthink. Maybe it is just the timing of it. We are coming off an indulgent few weeks, are we not, friends? Having eaten all the cookies and drunk all the eggnog, we decide to be more disciplined in our lives, longing for some healthy routines, maybe taking out the Christmas tree and packing up the other decorations inspires us to be more minimalist, and we decide to declutter and donate some things. Maybe having overspent on gifts, we decide it's time to save more. It is a natural pendulum reaction, I think, to a season of excess. Maybe we do it because hope springs eternal, as they say, and this year will be in that, I think, 8% of folks who make it through two weeks with our New Year's resolutions. I think it can be a good practice to identify the places we feel like something is missing in our lives and identify the ways we need to grow. When we think about improving something about ourselves or, or, live, or our lives, it is a practice of listening to what it is that we really want, who it is we really want to become, and a decision to invest in our future. It can be a deeply personal and meaningful practice to identify a resolution that speaks to our inner longing to make a change. I will now give my little plug for the artist's way and say that this is my New Year's resolution to begin that journey again, taking the road back to what I believe is everyone's true self, to be a creative person, to be somebody who doesn't listen to the voices that shut down our creativity. And I do hope that this will be something you consider doing as we look to a new year. I think that the story of the wise ones who we will hear in a moment need to go home by a different way, is a profound way of thinking about making changes to our daily practices. And the story of the wise ones who set out to follow a star is such a story about a spiritual, a group of spiritual seekers who are willing to risk everything to make a change. So friends, let us listen together for our scriptures this morning, for the word of God, and what the Holy Spirit is still saying to the church. First from the prophet Isaiah in the 60th chapter, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For shadows have covered the earth and a thick darkness the peoples, but the Lord will arise upon you and his glory will appear over you. Nations shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Lift up your eyes and look around. They all gather together. They all come to you. Your sons shall come from far away, and your daughters shall be carried on their nurses' arms. Then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and rejoice, because the abundance of the sea shall be brought to you. The wealth of the nations shall come to you. A multitude of camels shall cover you, the young camels of Midian and Ephah, and all those from Sheba shall come, 
All the flocks of Kedar shall be gathered to you. The rams of Nebaioth shall minister to you. They shall be acceptable on my altar, and I will glorify my glorious house. Who are these that fly like a cloud and like doves to their windows? For the coastlands shall wait for me, the ships of Tarshish first, to bring your children from far away, their silver and gold with them. For the name of the Lord your God and for the Holy One of Israel, because he has glorified you. And continuing on in the 61st chapter in Isaiah, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord, my whole being shall exalt in my God. For he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself with a garland and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. For as the earth brings forth its shoots and as a garden causes what is sown in it to spring up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring up before all the nations. And now turning to our gospel reading from the gospel according to Matthew in the second chapter. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise ones, magi, came from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all of Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, and the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise, the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the child had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then, opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And, having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. May God add a blessing to the reading and the hearing and our understanding of God's holy word. Friends, it's hard sometimes with this story to notice what it says and what it does not say because it has become so familiar to us that we imagine things are there that are not and we imagine things are not there that are. Let's look again at some of the nuances of this story. Well, for one thing, these were not kings. We have conflated the Isaiah passages about kings coming and bringing gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh and coming from far away to recognize who God is, and we've conflated that with these magi, these wise ones. Now again, I wonder, so they were not kings, but actually, is wise ones a good translation? Were they, in fact, wise? Let's look again at what happens in the story. 
So in the time of King Herod, there is a king of the Jews. These magi come from far away. And what they say to the one who should terrify them, Herod was not a good king. He was a tyrant. When he was afraid, people died. That's why it said he was afraid and all of Jerusalem with him. If Herod is afraid, you should all be very afraid. And yet here come these so-called wise ones and their greeting to this king is, where is the king who has been born? Where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? Now, is that a wise thing to say? No one wants to recall a time when they were at a party and they really put their foot in their mouth and said absolutely the wrong thing. But these said absolutely the very wrong thing. They have now tipped off Herod to know that there is an imposter out there, a child born king of the Jews. Now, perhaps if this was Herod's firstborn son and heir, they could be excused for thinking that maybe this was someone who was not a threat to Herod, but no. To announce to Herod that Jesus has been born is to put a target on this little one's back. So perhaps they were not kings. Perhaps they were not wise. It doesn't even say that there were three of them. I think we need to look again at the story today. Frederick Beekner, a beloved American writer, minister, and preacher who passed away last year, imagined this about the scene with Herod. Here is from the point of view of the, these so-called wise ones about Herod. Herod, a lost man, you see, even though he was a king. Neither really a Jew nor really a Roman, he was at home nowhere, and he believed in nothing. Neither Olympian Zeus nor the Holy One of Israel who cannot be named, Go and find me the child, the king told us. And as he spoke, his fingers trembled so that the emeralds rattled together like teeth. Because I want to come and worship him, he said. And when he said that, his hands were as still as death. Death, I ask you. Does a man need the stars to tell him that no king has ever yet bowed down to another king? He took us for children, that sly lost old fox. And so it was like children that we answered him, Yes, of course, we said, and went our way. And his hands fluttered to his throat like moths. They struck fear into the heart of Herod. And did they not realize it? Did Herod actually trick them when he said, then bring me word so that I may also go and worship him? Because again, they needed to be told in a dream not to go back. So there were not three of them, necessarily. They were not kings. They were not wise. They were not politically savvy. What were they up to? And so I will share with you a poem that I love so much by Jan Richardson, who helps me shine a new light on these magi. She writes, there is no reversing this road. The path that bore you here goes in one direction only, every step drawing you down a way by which you will not return. You thought arrival was everything, that your entire journey ended with kneeling in the place that you had spent all to find. When you had laid down your gift, release came with such ease, your treasure tumbling from your hands in awe and benediction. Now the knowledge of your leaving comes like a stone laid over your heart. The familiar path closed and not even the solace of a star to guide your way. You will set out in fear, you will set out in dream, but you will set out by that other road that lies in shadow and in dark. We cannot show you the road that will take you home. That way is yours, 
and will be found in the walking. But we will tell you, you will wonder at how the light you thought you had left behind goes with you, spilling from your empty hands, shimmering beneath your homeward feet, illuminating the road with every step you take. Who are these magi, friends? Well, I think they are a lot like us. I think they are seeking God, and what they have experienced is the miracle that God's love is not a one-time encounter. The word epiphany, we so often picture, if I were to say, take paper and a pencil and draw me an epiphany, you would draw a light bulb going off over someone's head, wouldn't you? You would imagine a scene where somebody sees and realizes something for the first time, that shock on their face, when something occurs to them, something new they hadn't realized before. But epiphany really means to encounter God, an encounter with God, and an epiphany is not a one-time event, which is why I love this poem from Jan Richardson so much. They think they are about to have to leave and go home by a different way in the dark. Their epiphany is that they encounter a God who goes with them and who then lights every step along their way. When she points out to them, you thought the arrival was everything. We thought that was it. We thought we would arrive and realize something and know something. The same way we might think that if we were to make a change in our lives, it would be that epiphany moment. I choose this for my New Year's resolution and think that's what it takes. But it doesn't. It's a full transformation of our way of living. It means being open to the realization that what happens in an epiphany, an encounter with God, is that God is with us along the rest of the journey. It's not a light bulb moment over our head. It's not a thought in our mind. It's not the last piece to a puzzle or the mystery solved. It's the whole way home when the God who we have encountered is with us. Emmanuel, God with us. Epiphany is finding God alongside us in every moment. This is the journey of faith. And this is who we are. Not kings, not always very wise. Sometimes we're going to put our foot in our mouth. Sometimes we're going to need to make a drastic change. But we are going to go along a homeward way by a different route, a way we don't know where we're going. And we're going to realize that God goes with us. So if a New Year's resolution has any power at all, it is in realizing it's all along the way home. This is the work of epiphany, not a moment, but a way of living. We don't let that light bulb moment fade like a dream upon waking, but we see that it shines out over us. It shows us the way to go. Being people on an epiphany journey means that no, we can't take the same road home but we do protect the presence of Christ with us. Being people of the epiphany means that we risk our own safety to protect those around us, those who are vulnerable. It means we take risks to refuse to let life become monotonous and boring, that we're willing to do something new and different if we see that God is calling us to step more fully into who God has designed us to be and live that way each and every day and keep on living that way not a moment, but a way of living. 
Friends, arise and shine, for your light has come and the glory of God has arisen upon you, and that light stays with you. It has attached itself to you. It shines above you and even from within you. It shines from you to all those around you when you live in the light of that love so that you can go forward and be that light for others. May it be so.